0: Today on the Zabe Cast, welcome to Life After Football. Alrighty, who is that Street and Smith College basketball preview issue again? Andy Polin, my Car Cast guest today. We'll talk Super Bowl parades, Alex for Kirk Hall of Fame, and more. That and what is it like to catch eighteen Marlins in three days? You got an hour to kill? Then buckle up and let's go. (laughs) Here we go. Friday February 9 2018 welcome welcome thank you for listening as we release yet again for the fifth straight day at night which means this episode well we'll see what the uh, we'll see what the numbers are in this one it'll be a weekend episode for most people but for a lot of people we'd be like oh bonus the fifth installment today came out late on a Friday it's a good one. Andy and I I thought we had some good moments uh, in the car together. Sounds weird and creepy, but it's not, because there's nothing wrong with two men who happen to enjoy each other's company and each other's banter and each other's sports knowledge. And so we had a good uh, session, and you'll hear it in just a second. I've got to go kind of quick, because we did go fairly long, and I've got to keep these things under an hour. They're already starting to go too long. They're already starting to pile up in your uh, pile of podcasts, and I appreciate you working through them. So let's get going, shall we? So here we are, no more football, and it's a bunch of college basketball that you may or may not care about at this point. Got this weekend the NBA, NHL, just regular season, no all star games. Got the Olympics, which I'm kind of into. Golf at Pebble Beach, which is always good, but I mean, the celebrities and the rounds take forever. It's going to be a good luck and Godspeed weekend for you to fill up all those TV screens, but we'll find a way to do it. So let's talk college hoops for just a quick second. I used to, once upon a time, care so deeply about college basketball, it's hard for me to even put it into words. Now, in part, it's because I went to UC Santa Barbara, Harvard of the West, ding, and I became their play-by-play man for college basketball around 1990, just after I graduated. UCSB did not have a football team. We had a Division III football team that played for a year and then folded. So that was it. And the basketball team wasn't very good until... They got this coach by the name of Jerry Pim, whose number one assistant was one young Ben Howland, who you may remember went to UCLA and took UCLA to a bunch of Final Fours in a row with Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook, and just couldn't win the big one. And eventually, uh, Ben wore out his welcome there, and you know he's a bit—he's a hard-charging guy, very abrasive, but he was on that staff with Jerry Pim when the UCSB basketball program came into. It's glory years, and that's when I got to do the games, and I loved college basketball then more than anything. And I still love it today, but it's a different relationship, and I'm trying to get my arms around why that is. In fact, back in the day, I would go get this thing called the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. What was the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook? It was a publication that was rushed out for about a two-week period. It was a book. It was about an inch thick and it was a book on actually it would come out before the season let me amend that the inch thick book was a printout with like no pictures of all these stats and recaps and scouting reports on every college basketball team in the country all 300 and whatever division one teams <laughs> and it would it would you have to go to this specialty bookstore to buy it. it you know it wasn't easy to get this is all pre-internet of course so you're laughing and thinking so weird You old man, yes. This is circa 1988, I want to say. They would also put out a little pamphlet at the tournament that you could buy at a bookstore that had it in stock that would order copies of it that would give you a little cheat sheet on the, the tournament. So that's the era that I come from, and that's when I used to love college basketball so, so deeply. Nowadays, I gorge on the NFL and football, to an unhealthy degree, I really should make space once college basketball begins in November and December to eat simultaneously football and college basketball. I think the sleaziness of the game with the Rick Patinos and others has begun to war- wear on me just a bit. Of course, the straight to the NBA is not good and the one and dones are not much better. It's hard to know the Johnsons from the Smiths from the so-and-so's, they come and they go and you're like, whatever happened to that guy Carolina had? Oh yeah, no, he's on the Raptors right now. Oh, I didn't know that. The style of play of today's game is also, you know, for a lot of us, it's not that great. A lot of jacking up threes. It's a lot of bad execution. Conference shuffles for teams that are close to you. I know for us in the D.C. area, Maryland going to the Big Ten, it it has been suck minus, I, I would say. I don't know about you people but it has not been good we've tried to trick ourselves into thinking well Michigan State's a power that could be our new Duke and Indiana's a power traditional power that could be our new North Carolina and Wisconsin's pretty good except for this year they're not and they could be and you pick another equivalent ACC school and it's just not the same So that scrubbed off some of my speed, scrubbed off some speed of my passion for college basketball. Expanding the tournament to 68 teams from 64 has diminished my zeal. Oh yeah, no, seriously, I know you're saying to yourself, really, that matters to you? Fuck yes it does. It's stupid. Oh, let's cram a few more teams in here. No, 64 was perfect. This bullshit Tuesday games that nobody cares about, and you have to fill it out in your bracket and everything. The selection show, which is now going to cable this year. Boo! Just another little thing that's scrubbing speed off of it. Here's something, though, that I'm going to need you people to give me feedback on. For those of you that still do eat a good, healthy diet of college hoops start to finish. Those of you who live in towns that are college basketball towns in which... You know, like Xavier, uh, a town like that. Right? Xavier, a town. Xavier's in Cincinnati, Ohio, right? Xavier's in. Okay. You get my point. If you're a big college basketball head, you tell me if I'm off on this. St. John's this past week beat number four Duke and number one Villanova in a span of five days. St. John's had been 0 11 in Big East play. That is inconceivable. I don't know a damn thing about St. John's basketball, and they don't care, and don't lecture me about Well, they got this guy, uh, Roquan Smith, or Jaquan Johnson, or blah, 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 CJ would say. That's kind of racist, man. You're using racist names. Okay. Billy Bob Jones or Tommy Lee Smith. It doesn't matter. I don't care about St. John's. All I know is this. This should never happen. In fact, I would bet it never has happened. I was talking to Mr. X on Friday afternoon. He came by the remote at American Prime, and he said he saw a stat that basically when St. John's went to Villanova and beat them, that a sub-500 team had only beaten a number-one-ranked team twice in the history of college basketball. And this is not just any sub-500 team. This is a team that had, prior to five days ago, been 0-11 in conference, a certifiably, objectively, Awful team had beat a four-team, a four-seed in Duke and a one-seed in Villanova to perennial powerhouses. Not just fly by night, Johnny come lately. Hey, we're ranked in the top five kind of schools. Duke and Villanova. This should never happen. It never has happened. You show me another comparable team that was way below five hundred, that was maybe winless in conference, even at 0-5 or one and seven or two and ten that beat two ranked teams in the span of a week show me that and then i'll say okay it's happened before this was inconceivable this was the equivalent of a ufo appearing over main street and hovering for an hour this was crazy yes St. John's lost some close games. I did look up their game logs. They played Villanova to within eight in the first meeting. They lost to Xavier, which was ranked sixth in the country. They lost to them by six points. But it's the same team that lost to Providence by 22. They lost to DePaul by 17. They got drilled by Butler by 25. So how? Why? I have a bit of a theory, and this is where I need your help. My theory is that the college game is just very inconsistent right now. That things that happen now would have never happened in the past. I think players' focus, like the focus of every teenager these days, is extremely volatile. Some nights they're paying attention, other nights, not so much. I think there's also too many teams too reliant on shooting. I think Duke is getting more and more that way all the time. I think This generation of player gives out a variable effort each night, much like the NBA, where some nights they give a shit, other nights not so much. And I think to go with that, there's less pride. There's less pride of, hey, we're Duke. I grew up watching Duke. There are expectations. We have standards. We are not losing to fucking St. John's, who's winless. Oh, no. I don't care if it is a non-conference game. We're not losing. That pride is... Not what it once was. And then there's this. Call me the old man shaking his fist at the cloud. They don't know how to play the game anymore. I can't say this for 100% certain, but I hear it from people that do watch a lot of college basketball. And My buddy Ron Thomas, uh, captain of the Maryland Potomac Cup team. Big Indiana boy. Knows, loves basketball. Good basketball player himself growing up. He, told, he lit me up one night on the phone. He's going, you have no idea, Steve. You have no idea. These, these kids, they're fucking morons out there. Like your end-of-game execution where they're doing the dumbest shit ever where you come on a three-on-two and the point guard has the ball and he dribbles into the corner and then throws up an off-balance three when all he had to do was look left, kick right to a wide-open shooter, boom, easy three-pointer. Ron complains. He says you wouldn't believe the execution these days. And I also think that teams that are shooting teams, that when they're having a cold night, they don't have the ability to switch gears and say, okay, we can't hit the broadside of the barn, so guess what? We're going to switch gears, we're going to lock down on D, and we're going to grind out a win. It's not going to be pretty. Then we're going to get on the bus and get on the plane, get home and figure out why are we shooting so bad. We'll do that later, but let's win this game first. That was the most inconceivable thing ever, St. John's winning two games against top four teams in five days when they were oh. And 11 going into it so you tell me co- rabid college hoops fans what is it and what does it mean in terms of college basketball all right caught up with my boy Andy Poland in the parking lot not at QW but this time we went to Urban Barbecue and we had a good chat about a whole bunch of stuff enjoy so uh did you miss Radio Row I at times did yeah I, I, saw. I almost sent you a picture yeah of a guy you would have immediately laughed and said no way chris visser there (laughs) ding that's it and then gil brandt oh yeah of course gil brandt would be there yeah yeah.
1: and sean landetta of course And, and the group of guys who say look we don't mind that we're crippled and we would play this game again, but you need to give us a lot of money because we are crippled. You mean the uh, the, the the old town, the old time guys? Yeah, so What I've do they call that? Them. The Gridiron Greats? Whatever it is. Yeah, I mean Sean Salisbury was in that for a while, and then he got back in the business. He was in the Gridiron Greats.
0: Oh yeah, he didn't he came? He was ra- pimping for. The old time players? He's not an old time player. He
1: played some medium time players. But, well, don't you remember? In the 90s. Don't you remember when you and he got into it on Radio Row? Salisbury? Yeah. No, we did not. Yes, you weren't there. This was one of those Super Bowls where I went and you didn't. Oh. And you got into the junk shot with him. I did, yeah, huh? Yeah, he didn't like that at all. Uh, it's funny,
0: because me and Salisbury are cool now. Oh, I know. Because we worked at the same network, right. and he's still there doing well. I, I've I've actually come to respect Sean in certain ways, because mm-hmm. he's worked hard
1: to get back to where he, well, not where he was. No yeah. one who leaves ESPN gets yeah. back
0: to where they really but were.
1: But that, that that doesn't really exist anymore. Clayton's gone. I mean, the, what, No, Clayton was there. I oh, know, but Clayton's not with ESPN anymore. He isn't? No. You when know, did that I mean, happen? And the big cutback in April. Who's he with? JohnClayton.com? He does local radio in Seattle. Really? And uh, as far as I know, collecting a check still. Still on team. Still on that fucking <laughs> Hall of Fame committee that can't pick
0: boogers, much less appropriate Hall of Famers. Am I right about that? That, I wouldn't word it exactly the
1: way you did. Okay, uh, but, all right, while we're on it, let's talk about it. Okay, yeah, no, it, it's, it's an absolute disgrace, and... That Joe Jacoby didn't make yeah. it in. I need to say that just so yeah. people well, understand what yeah, we're talking and, about. And, and I think that that's been a, a continuing issue for a long time. And there was somebody put up. it might have been Dan Daly, who uh, tracks old-time football especially. And what they're doing now is apparently it's programming for the NFL Network. And so when they have their big Hall of Fame hoo-ha weekend, Nobody wants to hear from a tackle who played in the '80s with a lisp, who looks like a lurch. Okay, <laughs> well, I'm not trying, Andy. Be Andy, nice. I love Jake. He's my friend. Don't he's don't. my friend too. Don't, Maybe don't not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Can but, I not say he has a lisp? Well, uh, he, speech had, impediment. he has some, but he's, he's overcome it and has done very he's, well with his life. I understand that public speaking, but what they want is you know they got both To in and Randy Moss. Right, this they year. want they want the class right. to
0: fit what seems yeah. right for the moment. Guys that were remembered five minutes ago, or were on
1: t- or on TV now, <laughs> or on Otherwise. the NFL
0: Network, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> that I would mean, help. For years, ago, people looked at Terrell Davis's career and go, "Well, yeah, he won two Super Bowls. He was really good, but his career was too short." Gets on the NFL Network. All of a sudden, he's he's in. Yeah, Terrell Davis being in as a joke. Six years, seven years. I mean, max. And, and and the way they got down to the to the fifteen finalists this year, Everson Walls, who had been eligible the same number of years as Jake, finally got into the final fifteen. He's not a Hall of Famer. No, no. So no. so Jake is getting mucked up with these guys who they want. To, to push, to give the the big push to, and guys who don't belong in that room. It's just a it's just a big clustery mess right it is. now. It's a cluster fuck Andy. No. And I'll say the F
0: bomb for you Thank since you God. want to keep it clean. Uh speaking of, you know, guys that had to wait a long time to get in, they finally put Jerry Kramer. In.
1: Yes. Stupidly.
0: Enough. And and did you see what Peter King wrote about it? Yeah, yeah. That he so Peter supporting. King Peter King said it was he didn't like the fact that he had to clean up. Yeah. The mistakes of previous committees and and not putting in Kramer. Hey, dummy, you've been on the committee for those 20. How many years has he been on the committee? 20 years? Probably, yeah. This is unbelievable. It's like him. Yeah, boy, these other committees really sucked. Yeah, you were on that. Yes. Well, why didn't you put him in? And he admitted that he had been
1: against Jerry Kramer for years. Well, and he talked to Bart Starr, who was against him. See, Peter King... Bart Starr was against him, huh? Yeah, he said of, of I think, Bob Skaronsky or some other player he, he wanted to get in ahead of Kramer. And, you know, Peter King is very flexible. Uh, huh. he, he spent years campaigning against Art Monk. Saying that Gary Clark yeah. was the guy that... Parcells worried more about yeah.
0: yet he never made an argument for Gary Clark in the Hall of Fame even though every
1: number of Clarks matches up with Michael Irvin's save for touchdowns right and Gary Clark was never on the NFL Network right uh, that too but yeah but so when he, when he was saying that he he then makes a complete flip when Joe Gibbs calls and says, yeah, I really think Art Monk should be in. Well, oh, really? Okay. So yeah. the coach called. You're, you're telling me that you looked at a guy who became the all-time leading receiver during his career mm-hmm. and, and a guy who played on three Super Bowl teams. He was hurt for one of them. I understand that. But, you know, how how, how you can keep him out for as long? I thought he'd be the you... first ballot guy. Of course.
0: But do you remember a young little shitweed reporter from the Denver Post <laughs> who said, what is his signature catch? Yeah. He is now Adam Schefter. He was Adam Schefter back then, but he was on the committee, and he wrote for the Denver Post, and that was his argument against Monk. What's his
1: signature yeah, Is that catch? in the bylaws? Must have signature catch. Uh, now, for some guys, it works in their favor. If you look at Lynn Swan's numbers, I think he's got somewhere like 385 total catches played only nine years. But he's got the rings and he's got the tipping, bobbling, falling catch in the Super Bowl, Those. which is one of the iconic images. Yeah, there's two there's one, and
0: in then the Super one that goes 10. over the Rams. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. With,
1: in Super Bowl ten, and then the other one where he gets in the end zone against the Rams.
0: It's so frustrating. You and I, Andy, know there are some good people on that committee, a minority, I'd say. And then there are just a bunch of mediocre, petty people. And they're in charge of defining the life's work of men who play the most brutal sport in the world. It's inconceivable that the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is run by, I forget who runs the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it's inconceivable they haven't said, we have to change this. They, they must. I
1: guess they like it this way. Well, uh, first well, of they all, they don't care. How can you be a Hall of Fame voter? And need somebody to tell you that Joe Jacoby had a really great career. Haven't you read anything about history of football? Don't you know that there were very few, we talked about this before, very few offensive lines that had nicknames. There was the Electric yeah. Company yeah. and there was the Hogs. And and I looked this up because I remember talking to Joe about this when he got in. This is Joe DeLama whose career is roughly 10 years ahead of Jake, also played 13 years, played for the Bills and the Browns. I talked about, is it DeLamalea or DeLamalure? I think it's Lear. Okay, but, but I talked
0: about DeLamalure earlier this week here on the Zabe Cast, and I'm glad you brought it up because I remember you telling me, look at this, Zabe, they're pipping him. He's like lobbying. He lim- it's a full-on
1: campaign, press re- yeah. b- releases, yeah. materials, yeah. interviews. He, he did it for years. Tony Kornheiser told me he got a phone call from Lear and he said to him, I'm sorry, Joe, I'm not a Hall of Fame voter, but he was campaigning everybody. He was calling everybody the phone book. Yeah, and, and eventually he got, now if you look at his numbers, he had six Pro Bowls, okay, Jake four. had four. But, okay, Pro Bowl shouldn't be used. Right. Because here's what I was
0: trying to remember as well. Back in 1983, let's say, mm-hmm. just pick a year,
1: how did you vote for the Pro Bowl? in a paper ballot yeah. at the stadium is that right I I don't know if that's the case because I think the the fan voting for football is recent Base, okay. baseball always had fan All voting right. so, okay so that was the so who voted for pro bowl fellow players yeah and and what would okay. happen is they would go hey hey bill give me an offensive lineman right cuz yeah. players wouldn't know yeah. and there were guys there were guys well it was like jj J. watt this year jj J. watt hardly played he made the pro bowl well the other thing too is that in 84 85
0: it was you didn't see anyone else play, right? Because ESPN was still in its infancy, right. didn't have penetration across the country, and highlights came in the form of four minutes at halftime of Monday Night Football with Howard Cosell. Yeah,
1: pretty much. I mean, so ESPN how would you know doing, as yeah. a player who is good? And yeah, that's not true. Good. And and I'll tell you this about players: players growing up didn't watch football. Why? They were playing football. That's a very and, good point. and I've talked to players like Joe Jacoby, and I said, did you ever watch Monday Night Football? He says, no. I, after the weekend, I was through with it. So <laughs> so they're not watching the rest of the league. The know. only time maybe they saw games is when they had a bye week.
0: Yeah. Matt, Matt Ioannidis for the Redskins this year did an interview with me, and I asked him growing up, I'm like, who was your favorite team? And he was kind of like stumbling, uh, you know, he grew up in like Jersey. Yeah. And I said, Eagle fan, Giant fan, and he just sort of whatever. And I go, come on. Were you more of a player guy? Because now today's generation, they're yeah. like, I like players. Yeah. They don't pick a team; they pick players. He's like, no, nah, not really. And go, did you watch football? And he goes, not really. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, me and my brothers, we were outdoor kids. All right. Yeah. then we were outdoor kids. We went outdoors and
1: played sports: basketball, yeah. uh, football, soccer, baseball, whatever. I'll give you another story. I probably told you this before. George Stark told me this. They're getting ready to play the Denver Broncos. And he's going to be facing a defensive tackle by the name of Rulon Jones. Rulon Jones. So he's getting ready to play, and then he lines up in his three-point stance, and he looks across the line, and he starts laughing. He (laughs) goes, Rulon Jones, you're a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) You <laughs> had no idea. Yeah, I thought Rulon Jones, you know. <laughs>
0: Coming of out of or Southwest <laughs> Texas or someplace like that. What do you think? Like, yeah, this is going to be an
1: easier day now? Well, I don't know. Buddy. Rulon Jones is good, though. But I think I mean, he, he he didn't play in the uh, Super Bowl where Doug Williams played, so it must have been earlier. Okay. He was already retired by that point. So,
0: so I've been to two stadiums this year. I went to uh, Jerry World for the first time for oh, a yeah. game. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I went to the Super Bowl. And both stadiums were fantastic. I yeah. mean, the new one in Minnesota, it's like it's like this greenhouse, basically, where the half the roof is translucent, light comes pouring in through the roof. Right. Big windows on the end, light comes pouring in that way. It looks surreal, actually. It's beautiful. And it's unique. It's kind of angular, uh, good sight lines, two good video boards on either end. You're not going to get hot. You're not going to get cold. It's going to be perfect. And all I could think about, Andy, was we're going to build an outdoor fucking dump somewhere from the basis of the model that I saw and you saw Man. that was leaked it doesn't look very impressive where do you stand on stadiums and are you like me saying we should absolutely build a indoor facility or are you traditionalist like let's build an
1: outdoor stadium I'm a traditionalist. I'll tell you this. Uh, in recent years, when I've chosen to go to games as a fan, and I always try to pick a September or early October date. Of course. So I'm Because not... you
0: want the better weather?
1: Yeah. Uh... Wouldn't it be better just to not worry about the weather, take that out of the equation, yeah, and go to watch a football game? There's something that's lost, though. Um, I don't know what it is, but the outdoor, you know, the, especially when it just starts to get cold and you're, you're feeling like fall and it feels like football. Sure, it's magical. I, I, I worked in uh, my first job, I've told you, was in Port Arthur, Texas. That was 90 miles from Houston. It was Earl Campbell's rookie year. I drove to all the home games to see them play. And they were great. I mean, those those they were fun. The Love You Blue Oilers <laughs> with, with Dan Pastorini and Campbell right. and Bum right. Phillips and all that. But I'll tell you this when you come out of a game after three, three and a half hours, it feels like you've left the movie theater, which is not a sports experience for me. Uh, I get what you're saying. See okay. What I mean? Yeah, but look at the extremes of our weather in this area. Yeah, I know you hate the weather here. You're moving to Arizona. I know, I've heard this. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Okay, am I wrong, though, about the weather? The weather sucks sometimes,
0: yes. Sometimes. Well. Most of the time. Today's okay. Today? <laughs> it's fucking 33 degrees. Sunny, at least. Sunny, yeah. How was yesterday? Sucked, right? Bad, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a bad day. Yeah. No, but think about how, in our area, it's blazing hot in September still. It's basically mm-hmm. August still. And by the time you get to December, it's shit on ice. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you rather be indoors? I guess your answer is no. You want to be outdoors. But I have zero confidence we're going to build a really good stadium that will be the envy of the league. Yeah. Because almost every new
1: stadium that's being built now is an indoor combo stadium. Well, for a long time, you remember this, that the league forbid owners to build their own stadiums. And then Stan Kroenke said, screw you. And he's they gonna, forbid it, or they well, just would prefer not to? Well, it seemed like they maybe, maybe they weren't able to forbid it, but they definitely discouraged it. Yeah, they're, they're like,
0: we're using other people's money, yeah, not don't, our own. Don't,
1: don't you put your money out there. Right. Uh, Jack Kent Cooke did it, but after that, remember, that was there were those shakedowns of cities, you know, to get stadiums built. Oh, yeah. And so now Stan Kroenke comes in and goes, screw you all, and he built a, a $2.1 billion stadium, which is going to be as a Super Bowl mix, yeah. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen next. Now, is Snyder going to spend his own money? It doesn't seem like he's anxious to do that. Well, the other thing is, where is it going to be? Yeah. This thing has got to be downtown. It's got to be. I would a, hope
0: so. On but... the side of RFK. It would be another colossal mistake. I think we can all admit that old Jack Ken Cook building his out there in John was a huge mistake because it's on the wrong side of the market where it is too far into purple rain territory. Yeah. It's too close to Baltimore. No, look, and nobody wants
1: to go out well, there. there well, part of that was on purpose. Because remember, uh, when he was trying to get the stadium built in 1994, it finally opened in 97, and Baltimore had a team by then. Yeah. But when he was in the process of getting it built, he was trying to freeze out Baltimore. Oh, he was trying
0: to block Baltimore yeah, from coming and, back.
1: And, there, and if you look this up, there was some, a real concerted effort in the mid-'80s to get one built in Laurel. He was trying to build in Laurel. Laurel. Holy shit! Yeah. Would that have been even worse? Yeah, that's what he wanted because he wanted both Laurel. markets. Because because Baltimore for, lost its team yeah. after the eighty four season, sure, eighty three sure. 83 season. So so then uh, that that was part of the thinking there that they would draw the Baltimore fan base. Well, now Baltimore's got a better stadium and they're starting to get the other half, the Columbia people, and up to go there. Yeah. So I don't know. For my uh, for my uh,
0: Milwaukee listeners laurel is like your kenosha imagine the packers building a stadium in kenosha wisconsin all the way south on the border with illinois halfway between milwaukee and chicago how much would
1: that suck although just just for geography purposes the green bay fans when they would play games in milwaukee how much a year and how much for schlep is that Uh, That's two hours. That's a lot. Of course, you're a and you'll follow them anywhere. It
0: was two hours, and of course, County Stadium was a total dump. Uh, Lambeau back then wasn't that great either. They've done a ton of upgrades and and really everything else to it. But uh, remember, both benches were on the same side of the field. That's right. And so that was the difference there. So we'll see. they got to get a stadium built here pretty soon because... You know, the you know, years keep flying by, and as I get older and older, Man.
1: I notice that. Well, isn't, isn't 2023, or maybe 2027, so that would be, what, 30 years? Oh, the, for the uh, least, current FedEx field? Uh, yeah, I mean, extend the lease. Uh, extend, yeah. Jesus, no, we got to get out of there No, early. I mean, look look at the, the, the Redskins were at uh, what started as D.C. Stadium, became RFK, I think it was 35 years, 36 years. Okay. Oh. Like yeah.
0: All right, so I listened today coming in here to talk to you. By the way, Andy and I are outside Urban Barbecue because I couldn't risk three weeks in a row outside Qdoba <laughs> lest someone say, hey, we've been noticing something with you guys. What's going on? And by the way, Urban Barbecue is fantastic. It is good. They're not paying for today's podcast in food, although they should actually. They should. I'll send them an air check, and we'll see if
1: Lee is in there. Maybe will uh, do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, Lee's the man. So uh, as we're sitting out here right now, I drove in today on Thursday and listened Do WIP on my phone of the parade coverage in Philadelphia. And I listened just intently because it's weird. Nothing's happening. Like, literally, there's nothing to report on. All the personalities and all the reporters are just saying, oh, there's tons of people here. This is amazing. I can't believe it. This is unreal. What a scene. This is so incredible. I never thought I'd see the day. And then repeat. And then Repeat well, they same have anything thing
1: on the floats or talking to the
0: players or any of that. Not when I listen no, now, they fair. may they may right now as we're taping yeah. this have people they're they're going to carry the the speech portion okay. of things. Now I listened to it, it just and was enveloped by it because Andy, that's the essence of sports. Oh yeah, yeah. a parade, the tribal nature of I'm going to wake up at o oh, dark thirty, brave twenty degree weather to stand out there looking at nothing for 5 hours mm-hmm. to see a glimpse of my football team for 10 minutes if that and to be a bunch of to be amidst a bunch of drunken idiotic fellow fans most of whom i love but some of whom may want to rob me or th- piss on me mm-hmm. that i'm willing to do that as a fan as an act of pure Devotion—that's yeah. sports right there, oh, isn't yeah. it?
1: Well, look, the the first one for the Redskins in '83. was a rainstorm, poor yeah. rain, and they were in buses. I but, hated that, but people—five hundred thousand people—stood outside in the rain because that was
0: because, like Philadelphia, that was our cherry-busting Super Bowl parade. That was our first yeah. one, now, which was magical. And I remember—I didn't go down to it, uh, but I remember how disappointed I was. That they were in buses and you really couldn't see them. Well, yeah, that, that they was, should have been a like. Let's say this were to happen again and it was pouring rain. I think you got to put them out in the rain. You got to put on raincoats and you got to be in the rain. I guess
1: I, you I, got I, to.
0: I guess I, you can't. What you can't do what the Redskins did, which was hide
1: behind tinted bus windows yeah. and crack one or two open. The other, the second one. Now, now, now people forget they did have a rally downtown on the mall. For the Super Bowl they lost the following year. That's, oh, really? That, that's forgotten. The yeah. Raider one? Yeah, and it was like, you know, how many it, people went to that? Six. I don't know. And there was some discussion w- whether they should have it or not. But <laughs> but it was like, yeah. don't worry, we're gonna be back. And I was thinking, nah, probably not. Theisman and Riggins are old. I had my Super Bowl for my lifetime. And then it happens again right. in eighty seven.
0: Yeah, eighty seven to eighty eight. The game was in yeah. eighty eight. And they had now they do. Now did how is that pre- by the way? I was robbed of two of the three Redskin parades because I was in California. In 88, I was a student at UCSB. And in 92, following the 91 season, I was working professionally uh, as the voice of the gaucho. So I missed both of those. And it, it to this day, bothers me because I would have
1: loved to have been a part well, of it. Well, truth be told, I missed all of them also. I was in Texas. Where were you working? Texas for the first one. Okay. And then uh, New York for the second two. Okay, but how were the parades now, this, in 88 and 92? The 88 parade was uh in open buses so they were still in buses but they were like those duck boat buses yeah. you know like with canopy Yeah, on and that's fine yeah and that was fine and then it wound up at the white house and that's where we had Reagan say where's Reece reggie sanders, sanders. Yes. they threw him the ball now Wait, the parade ended up at the white house yeah. or was that was that a separate visit no that was that was that day really yeah. wow that okay day, they rode to the white house i guess down constitution avenue uh-huh. now I, I, as far as i remember i've researched this again but i think the third one was not a parade it was more of a, a rally to, to celebrate the, That's uh, the boo. Well, it's just the logistics. Boo. The logistics. Oh, logistics, you know, know. logistics. Well, look what the president wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to have a military <laughs> with parade tanks and everything. Else. <laughs> so, so, you know, if, if, the, if, the Red, if it happens to coincide with a Redskin Super Bowl, maybe next year, God willing. Uh, you know, let let Alex Smith sit on top of a tank with the Super Bowl trophy. <laughs> <laughs> <That'd be great. laughs> be great. Well, a tank that shoots footballs out uh, of it.
0: So so if we were to win a Super Bowl, of course, as a Redskin fan, I always try to dream the biggest yeah, dream. Uh, if they were to win, where would the parade be? Would it be down Constitution Avenue? That's our biggest, longest yeah. road that leads up to the steps of the Capitol. I would hope that we would have... The podium for the players on the steps of the Capitol, because that's the best vista right. for them to I then think congregate.
1: I think that's what happened in 92. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's... But there was no parade. They no just showed parade, up. No yeah. I guess they couldn't, couldn't get it together, whatever it was. Um,
0: do you think we'd show out for a parade? How, how would our town do in terms of showing up? We're a different town, as I you know, know, Andy. We're very white-collar. We're very spread out geographically. It's ridiculous. And... There's a lot of people that come to town that are with the new administration governmentally or they are working in tech now and they're not from D.C. Eh,
1: Yeah, I still think people would show up. Oh, I know they'd show up. I'm wondering... In what force? Uh, it, it would be better than the DC United parade televised live by Wally Bruckner and Wendy Rieger. What year was this? Whenever they won, well, you know they won a bunch of them in the late
0: nineties. DC United is our local uh, MLS uh,
1: franchise. Yeah, and Wally Bruckner was a local TV guy. They won three in a row, right? Probably. Like that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they clean cleaning up. We'll get to one of your best lines about them later. Okay, but but so they're doing this parade, and and the, you see this guy like crossing the street and he's wondering why there are like television cameras there. There's
0: nobody at this parade. And where was the parade?
1: It's downtown, probably Constitution, something like that. (laughs) But your best D.C. United line was. Okay, here we go. This was was when the Washington Nationals, after they Moved from Montreal had been the Expos, now becoming the Nationals, and they were playing their first season at RFK, which had been the exclusive home, home of, of DC United since Wiers. the Redskins yeah. moved. Yeah. So somebody from the DC United complained about how the field wasn't in good shape after a Nats' home stand or something like that. <laughs> right? And you said, "What does Nats need to do is to kick their soccer balls out into the parking lot until <laughs> <and tell> they <laughs> get the hell out of here." I, I, I just, Every time
0: I think about that, I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said, "Kick him in the
1: Anacostia River." <laughs> Either way, get of out that. of here! Yeah, I mean, you're going to complain because we waited 33 <laughs> years for, for a baseball, baseball team. team, yeah. Exactly. and you don't like it. Too oh bad. Get out.
0: Well, we are uh, with you know, the with the Eagles now popping their Super Bowl cherry. Yeah, they've got all four. Mm-hmm. They have flyers in like 80. The Sixers in '83, I think. Right. The, right. the Phillies, Phillies, two times and three 80 times. '80 lo- and '85, no, they lost, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, 80. so, 80, so and now the Eagles. Yeah. Um, not only do we not have four, yeah. um, we're still looking for hockey, and we're still looking for baseball. Technically,
1: what do you mean? 1924. The what? Washington Senators. Oh, interesting. Yeah, maybe the Pittsburgh Pirates. Muddy rule made it around third base to score the winning run. You know who's been on a big
0: jag this week about, you know, hey, you know, the Eagles have won a championship is our friend Andrew Siciliano. He keeps lecturing people every chance he gets. I heard him today on NFL Network saying people forget the NFL didn't start with the Super Bowl. Well, that's uh, good to hear from him. He's a young fella. I know, but hmm. as I told him on Radio Row, I go, okay, well, how many teams were in the league in 1960? And they looked it up. It was like 13. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not the same. Like I, I don't need to be lectured that yes, they have an NFL championship. He's like, well, you're discounting the great careers of great players like Jim Brown and others. I'm not discounting their careers. I'm just saying that any city that doesn't have a, a Lombardi
1: mm-hmm. wants one bad. Yeah, a Lombardi is is the new new. Setter. It's the ultimate trophy. Yeah, yeah. Right? You, you can't you can't really sell pre. Pre Super Bowl championships, it's, no, to it's not the same. But they, they did it. I mean, no, I know that. And, but yeah, uh, and they did it with Norm Van Brocklin, Sonny Jurgensen on the bench. On that that Yeah. So, so
0: as far as us with parades, yeah,
1: and winning, you know, not only do we
0: not have a, we haven't had a parade since '92, mm-hmm. and that wasn't even a parade, you say? No, uh, yeah, it was a rally. Okay. Yeah. So, we haven't had any of our four major teams make the Final Four since '92. Final much less four, yeah. of our sport. Yeah. We've had none of our four major sports yeah. even make a conference or a
1: yeah, a conference championship. Right. Which would be a semifinal, Final yeah. Four. Yeah. Not even make it. Yeah, The Bullets, the Bullets had their parade in uh, in convertibles, which I think were no longer being made for a while. They were 1979. 78. 78, 78 season, yeah. 79 yeah. championship? Yeah. Or no,
0: 77 season, 78. It was in June of 78? Yep. Yep. Okay. At June sixth. Coming up on forty years. And then the uh, following year, they went to the finals again and lost nice. to the
1: uh, Jack Sigma Sixers. Yep. Jack
0: Sigma Sonics. It's Basically
1: the same team. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Z- right. Same team. They pretty imagine.
1: much ran it back. So who do you think? Which one of our teams is closest? That's always a good question. Well, changes. It, I, it, you can. I think you can flip a coin between the Nats and the Capitals, but they both have the same disease. Yeah, With, chokers disease. Yeah. When they get to the playoffs season, chokerama. They always underachieve. So how, how, do you, how do you know? I mean, you, you would say going into any one of their seasons, hey, they have enough talent to win the championship. The Capitals have been picked by Barry Melrose seemingly for the last 15 years. I know. I and wish they don't, you wouldn't. They don't do it. I
0: don't I don't feel this Caps team. I don't either. As a Cup team.
1: Well, I also I also see where they've, they've positioned Barry Trotz. You know, Trotz is in the last year of his contract. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, they're going to let it run out? Well, or we've seen this happen before. A guy can get fired in March and win a Stanley Cup team who went In March? It? I've, I think the Devils did it. Larry Robinson, I thought, got fired early in the year. No, there was there was a year I think the Devils okay. won the championship. Well, it was Larry
0: Robinson who got yeah. fired, or he was the guy who came in. But I thought it was closer to the start of the year. Jack McKeon for the Marlins got fired, I think, early in the season. No, Jack McKeon replaced. Oh, you're right. Jack McKeon. Uh, no. Jeff Torberg? Yeah, that's God, who it was. Yeah. How come I can remember these names and I can't remember my wife's anniversary? Uh, that's, that's your, it's your anniversary, too, pal. Yeah. Well, our anniversary. How about that? Yeah. It's uh, August 24th, for those that are wondering. Okay, uh, we got this Wall Gortat thing brewing yes. with the Wizards.
1: Yes, yes, yes. How do you yes. feel about that? Um, I think that this is going to be a very difficult situation for the Wizards. I don't buy the idea that they're a better team without John Wall. But... but- Clearly, they play better without him. Yeah, they do. I mean, they had two games, two of the five wins that they had. They had eight players in double figures, eight, right. and Beal in one of those games, I think, had twenty-seven points. Yeah, um, you know, the it's, ball moves differently without Wall. Yeah. Wall,
0: as good as he is, end line to end line. Right. When in half court sets. He
1: is a momentum killer. Did you see the terms of his contract? Though? Can't shoot either. Oh, oh, yeah, the Ringer article. Whew. Yeah, well, He's it's doing, a max deal. Yeah. So, so how can you trade a player who's got a forty-three million dollar payment to him one year? Who, who's going to take that?
0: Well, on? you, well, you trade him
1: for another shitty player. <laughs> yeah. who's got a forty-three yeah, million yeah, dollar but, deal? <laughs> and, and and Gortat, Gortat is like whiteout that you used to. Correct your typing mistakes. With. Yeah, why? It was very useful at one time, but guys like that in the end big, big men are not. Uh... He's almost exclusively a pick and roll big man because he's
0: got no mid range jumper. Yeah. Now today's bigs shoot threes. Yeah. All of them. Joel
1: Embiid shoots threes. Right. Oh, th- look, Porzingis is out for the year. Right. But he's shoots the, threes. He's the new model seven three right. shoots threes. Yeah, that's so he's he's like an old school guy. He's he's now as far as a rebounder goes. He likes this volleyball thing where he's always tapping yeah. it back. The reason he does that because he can't win rebounds
0: cleanly because he's not a Skywalker. Yeah. So he's one of these guys, and he's... Gortat's game reminds me of the dude at the gym who yeah. pisses you off. Right. Because he's really scrappy, very effective, but not pretty. Nah, nah. And, and you're th- like, fuck, he
1: got another rebound. What's... Block him out. What is tap 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 tap? Yeah, yeah, got yeah. it. Yeah. But, and for years we screamed as Wizards fans. Oh, you got to get a big man. Got to get a big man. Team is not going to win. Yeah. Like, we're going to make a mistake in the draft. Make it big. One time, this was back in the '90s when they were screaming. Hey, oh, got to have a big man. No bulk inside. So they pick up Kevin Duckworth, who oh god, who Portland can't wait to get rid of because he's because oh, he's eating everything in sight. Yes. He's like 400 pounds, and they bring him to the Wizards, and God, he looks overweight. Oh, so what? He's a big man. He can clog the middle. And then finally, <laughs> finally got so fat. John Nash had to sit him down and say, "And say you're not going to play until you get yourself in better shape." And then eventually, they unloaded him. So, it's, wow. it's a, it's a, the the big man rush, maybe in the '70s when you had you know really great big men, it was necessary to have one. I don't think it is now.
0: We are as of my clock here, and the sun is glaring. Thirty minutes and forty two seconds into this, Andy, and mm. I think I have committed. A monumental mistake. And that is? I don't think we've spoken since the Alex Smith trade. <laughs> Isn't that right? I think so.
1: Oh, my you were God. The, you
0: were at the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. I cannot believe it. Okay.
1: Well, with the last five minutes of the show here today, mm-hmm. go. Alex Smith. Uh, I think, based on where they had painted themselves into, the corner, that they got out as best they could. And please... Save me from the Kendall Fuller is Deion Sanders comparison. (laughs) Oh, a lot of people. Oh, my God. A lot of people bellyaching about that. Please. What you did was you traded a 30-year-old Kirk Cousins for probably a 34-year-old Kirk Cousins. Right. We
0: traded Kirk for older Kirk. Yeah. and and Kirk for older and slightly
1: cheaper Kirk.
0: Right. Not that he is cheap, period, slightly cheaper, because $24 million is a lot
1: of money for Alex Smith. It is a lot of money. But I think that this won't be Donovan McNabb who came here at the same age. Agreed. McNabb was a piece of shit. Yeah, he did. Uh, Gandy Reid, did he dupe the Redskins again? I don't think so. Uh, I think this guy will be fine. I think he'll play three years. And really, if you look at the bonus, that's what it is. It's $71 million guaranteed. You spread that over three Well, we three still years. don't
0: know exactly. But that's, that's Like, we want to see it. It's been reported as that. And,
1: and if, if these quarterbacks that are coming out are any good, you'll find your way to one of them this year or next year, and you develop them, and in a couple of years he's ready to play. So I, I think based on where they were, they got out of it about as best they yeah. could. It's not great. It's I mean no, you, it's not great. They could easily miss the playoffs all three years of the Alex right. Smith regime easily. But but look what they did in the two years they franchised Kirk. They didn't get to the playoffs, did they? I know. Yeah. So because you still have to keep building a good team. Yeah. And you and, and look at the Eagles. If if you want to look at a team that knew how to do it, the Philadelphia Eagles. You go Carson Wentz goes down. I vei aye, aye, I aye, ay, ay, Philly no luck. They win with Nick Foles. That was a hell of a run. Not
0: just that, but they lose Jason Peters. Yeah. Left tackle. They yeah. lose their middle linebacker. They lose Sproles. Lost a lot of guys. Also, think about this with Philadelphia. Philadelphia fired their coach midseason less than three years ago. Right. They just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Philadelphia lost their starting quarterback in Week 12. They just won the Super Bowl. Right. Philadelphia missed the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. They just won the Super Bowl. Right. So, it. on the one hand, it gives you theoretical hope for the Redskins. But on the other hand, you know that you have to have an organization that is deft and nimble and smart and committed, and it just doesn't
1: feel that way with the good old burgundy and well, gold. Well, I mean, you can you can maybe overpraise him, but he's one of ours, so I'm going to give him credit. Howie Roseman, uh, one <laughs> yeah. of ours. You know, Howie Roseman. Jew reference. Well, Jew reference. Well, well, yeah, but but he, Howie Roseman looks at Nick Foles and goes, "Yeah, we'll pay him seven million dollars." And people say, "What Nick Foles? Seven million dollars?" They did it and did it pay Were they, off? Were they questioning that? I think because was, was because they're paying Colt McCoy, I think three million. A year, okay, so. Well they're paying Bruce 7 million yeah, a year. Yeah. Well, that right there to me is one of the
0: most wow things about the Redskins. I mean, Bruce, God bless him, 7
1: million for a team president. Well, that job is either held by a clown, Vinny Serrato, right, or it's held by somebody who either is, a legend's son, yeah, or, who who may or may not be great at what he does. I don't know. Uh, I'd love to see what other team presidents make. I can't yeah. believe they make some. Well, and, no. and, also, and also how many team presidents who who have handled the draft all but two years, right? And had put together this record. How long would they stay? You know that this year, if the Redskins don't go
0: ten and six, that Bruce's record will not be as good as Vinny's record for the exact same number of years, right? Even count, even just you have to assume that even when Shanahan was here and supposedly had total control, that those wins and losses goes on Bruce's record. Right.
1: But I was Is say, that fair, do you think, or no? Yeah, I mean. Kinda? It, yeah, but look at how quickly I mean, he's here drawing seven million yeah. a year, right? And, and how quickly things turn around. I would say this though. Vinny convinced himself that Jim Zorn could be a head coach. Okay. I don't think Bruce Allen would be dumb enough to do that. No. Yeah. Well, the problem, you read the Kevin Van Valkenburg Yes, piece. that's a great thing that you highlighted. In, was it a tweet or whatever? Yeah, I tweeted
0: it. the link. To Kevin Van Valkenburg for ESPN.com wrote a good piece about Kirk in which basically the one thing that soured Kirk on ever staying here yeah. was the fact that they blew the chance to lock him up for less money right. a long time ago. And it seems counterintuitive. Like, so wait a minute. You're not going to take a whole lot more money from this team because they didn't pay you less money earlier? And the answer is, yeah, because he thinks it shows they don't know how to value talent. And that while they missed the boat on him, which should have been more obvious, they're going to miss the boat on a wide receiver and a DB and a linebacker, and they're
1: never going to win if they're always buying behind the curve. Right. Well, it goes back to uh, the great Joe Gibbs telling us, oh, yeah, free agency is the way to go because they've proven they can play in the NFL. I remember (laughs) that quote like it was yesterday. And you said... With all due respect, oh, and you geez. might as well have used the word "god" instead of "coach." Oh. With all due respect, you're paying retail prices, yeah, all the time, and you can And he he looked at you, or he he couldn't see us, but, yeah. But he his answer was like no no. what are you what are you talking what are you about, talking about? I, I think he once
0: said to us the salary cap is the most overrated
1: thing, thing in sports. sports yeah it was like it was like and, 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 oh, there, and there's a level of I can't hear you because I have rings in my ear <laughs> right <laughs> but but in reality yeah. and remember the, the, the best one was the shotgun oh yeah he said, well what he first when Joe Gibbs first came
0: back 2005 for 2004 all right this is modern NFL football <laughs> 90% of teams are using shotgun on 30% of their snaps or more. And Joe Gibbs came back and didn't use the shotgun again because he never used it in the first iteration. Once, once. He used it once, right? What happened?
1: <laughs> the center snapped it over Thiesman's head. It was, it was against the Bears. What, in what year? This was, well, the Redskins won the division. In 1984, the 84 okay. season. So the 85 playoffs. Well, it was 80. It was still. It was December 3rd. Okay. I was at that game. December okay. 30th, 1984. They played the Bears in the divisional round, but they were the home team. In other right. words, they had the third. However, the divisions were set up. They didn't get a bye, but they had to play a, right, a right, wild right, right. card team. And Walter Payton threw a touchdown pass in that game, but they had the, the Bears were coming. That was oh, yeah. that was the prelude to the eighty five team, which you know just, records, just yeah. killed quarterbacks. So he practiced the shotgun, and I think. I think Christine Brennan had watched practice and asked about it, and they went they went nuclear. Crazy, on, yeah. Oh, secret, state secrets. And that started the closing of the practices. But anyway, they tried it, and they had uh, now Jeff Bostick was hurt, so they had a center named Rich Donnelly. Yeah, and he snapped it over Thiesman's head, and they never ran it again. Yeah. Now that was 1985,
0: kids. Joe Gibbs, who came back almost 20 years later. Right. Thought that nothing had changed. When in fact, since that time, everybody used the shotgun. It was primarily back in '84, something the Cowboys did. The Cowboys did in the 70s. Right, but but who else did it in the 80s? Nobody. Pretty much nobody. So Gibbs comes back, and Andy and I had a weekly spot with him where Gibbs would come on, and he quickly grew to hate us because I was a young cocky asshole and lecturing Joe Gibbs about how to do things in football and how to who to spend money on. And Andy is just his normally abrasive self, wonderful, charming abrasive self. And so, uh, yeah, I remember asking Gibbs about the shotgun almost on a weekly basis. And at one point, he just snapped, said, "I'm going to put you back there in the shotgun." <laughs> with his horse shack laugh. Yeah. And that was his way of saying, politely, as a good Christian,
1: shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> next year they had the shotgun. Though. Next
0: year they had the shotgun because they brought in Al Saunders. No, no, his, no, no, no. no that was two years later? was oh, Yeah, two years
1: okay. Yeah, Actually, they, see, the next year they, they, they used the shotgun. Brunel actually had a decent year they want a playoff game. Yeah. Gibbs was seemingly getting his sea legs back as, as right. the offensive guy. And then Al Saunders arrives with the 700-page playbook, and everything yeah. went
0: kablooey. Everything went Well, the thing with Gibbs was he was like, I want to buy ready-made players, and free agents yeah. know how to play, and so they're proven entities. What Gibbs didn't understand, or maybe he did but didn't want to admit to it, was that once guys get paid, mm-hmm. their motivation level, at times, depending on who you buy, yeah. can plummet because
1: they know it's their last big contract. Well, uh, it's funny that I'm doing research for my Mel Kuyper podcast, which is going to drop next week. Oh, so. Ding, 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 uh, ding. Andy on Poland's DC podcast. Yes. Get it wherever podcasts are delivered. Yeah. Next week, season number two. Three, actually. Three, thank uh, you. And I'm, uh, I'm interviewing Mel, so I was looking up some old stuff, and in 1993, when the NFL instituted free agency, when they finally won free agency... Uh, Tony Kornheiser wrote a column and said the draft is dead. He said nobody's going to bother. Oh nobody's going to bother taking risks on these guys anymore. Uh, they're It's just all going
0: to be buying, buying players, buying
1: guys who have developed by other teams. And you know, and with all due respect to my good friend Mel Kiper, uh, it's over for you, buddy. <laughs> you <laughs> you learn know. how to paint. Yes, yeah, something like oh that. Oh my God, that's and, hilarious. And, and, what, and what Mel said is the draft has become more important because you have the salary cap now. And you have to develop guys who are cheaper options. Well, if you get a fifth-rounder who's a starter
0: and is punching above his pay grade, that's a force multiplier. Yeah. He's on your books for less than a million dollars. Right. And he's a starter as a fifth-rounder, or even a third-rounder, I think. Their cap number is only around a million, million and a half. Kirk Kirk is a fourth-rounder, I think, made only 600 his first four years. Exactly. And yeah. so that's the way to go. But, well, Joe Gibbs, I guess, eventually figured it out sort of. Went to the playoffs twice, barely. Declared well, victory. Went he, back to racing. He is the most successful coach in the Dan Snyder era. Yeah, that's a, it's a low bar. Well, it's like being the hottest
1: chick at a... Iowa corn dog eating contest and and though he did come out of the reverse car wash a little bit schmutzier, yeah, uh, <laughs> he's the the reverse car wash. Yeah. People
0: come into the Redskins clean, they go
1: out dirty. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know John Shanahan. Shanahan walked in in like a, a three thousand dollars suit and came out in rags. But but you know what though, fuck Shanahan. I know you All don't right. like him. I, I, well, I, listen, I'm more way, sympathetic.
0: I know you are, but the way he leaked stuff at the very end, that was petty. That was bad. Yeah. That said. It had probably gotten so nuts that he felt like this is the only thing I can do. Right. He was probably so besieged with, holy shit, the owner still believes in RG3 and he sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And what am I going to do? And so that was an ugly end to it. Okay. Real quick. Um, Anything left to talk about? Because I almost forgot the Alex Smith thing with Kirk. Oh, yeah, real quick. Trade, uh, tag and trade on Kirk for a second rounder fantasy. Oh, come on. Ludicrous. I think they put it out there to see if anybody would bite. That's how people bite. Well, I don't. I don't Here is a dumb idea. Who's dumb?
1: Well, oh, me. I'll take it. Well, or or there is the revenge factor, and and there have been guys who have not wanted to go to Cleveland at any cost. So they could say to Cleveland, "We'll do a, a tag and trade." Kirk might say. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, not signing there, or, or or he'll play under the tag or, for 35 million for one year in
0: Cleveland. Right, that's what I mean. I'm not signing long term. in right. Cleveland. I'll take the 30 more million guaranteed. Yeah, and no, I didn't
1: have to sign the tag. If he right, he could
0: he could fuck the Redskins by not signing the tag. Yeah. and making them sit out free agency. But now you're engaging in a spite war with a team that knows how to play right. the spite war better than you. And Kirk is from the Midwest. And he might say... I think Cleveland's compelling. I'm, like, the only guy. Well, they've they got have so an, much room. And, oh, they got an array
1: of assets, draft picks, and money. Yeah, and they've got just... They have a new general manager, Joe... Uh, Whatever his name is, former, Joe Banner. Joe, is it Joe Banner? He's former, former Eagle guy, former player. Um, oh. And he's he's. I don't think Banner was a no, former he, player. Anyway, he's a former player. So yeah. it, it, you know, maybe things get turned around. And what what better way to to be celebrated in your career than turning a dead franchise? If he around. wins eight, if he wins eight games, he's a god. Yeah. Eight. And and if he thinks that in three years they can be a Super Bowl yeah. team with the right kind of leadership, who knows? Yeah. Well, we've got a month left of Kirk.
0: And then the March 6th deadline comes, they'll either tag him, which would be insane, and then the nuttiness continues, or they let him walk out the door. And then, oh, once he walks out the door, get ready, (laughs) because here comes the backstabbing. Here comes the backfilling of all the things Kirk wasn't, all the things Kirk didn't do, how the players in the locker room never bought into Kirk's leadership how he did this on his, you watch Andy. Yeah. you know oh, that's yeah. coming
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i understand it but they, they again they never liked him. and you know my ordinary people comparison they they look they never at liked him, they look correct. at him and they see where they failed with rg3 every time they look at number 8 they know rg3 didn't make it it was a reminder of their constant failure yeah. all right andy
0: that'll do it for us today thank you as thank you. always andy poland's dc podcast new season starts next week drops on wednesday the great mel Kuyper junior lead off before season number three. Get it. iTunes, Google Play, all the places that podcasts are distributed. We'll talk this week. Thank you, sir.
1: Oh, there we go. Oh, I, I, thought this, I get the I last word. Was it? I never get the last
0: word. We Andy gets the last word today. And the last word is rhubarb. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, then. all right, let's end on this real quick. I just picked up my GoPro from my brother, Flynn, at his house. He had had it for about a month because I loaned it to him take on his fishing trip. No 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 fishing. Fishing. My brother is a great fisherman. He's a good hunter, gun collector. He is like I like to call him the world's greatest redneck lawyer. Great, successful, incredibly highly successful food and drug lawyer here in Washington DC for Heller Erman, Wiley Rhine. Ah. Uh, He he changes law firms a lot. I think it's heller Herman. Look him up. My last name, Zaban, First name, Jim. Food and drug law, the best. And, of course, a redneck on the weekends. He's got a pickup truck. He came by my house today because he was hunting out uh, near a goose blind that he goes to. Dead goose in the back of the pickup truck. I'm, like, looking at it going, okay, that's great. What are you going to do with it? He's like, I'm going to skin it and gut it and get the goose meat and cook it up. You want some? I'll send it over. I said, okay. My brother went to Costa Rica for three days to go fishing for Marlin. He chartered a boat for himself. (laughs) He said he got tired of trying to strong arm people into going with him fishing. And of course, sadly, you're probably saying, Zabe, you're his brother. Go with him for God's sake. I've retired from deep sea fishing. I went with him seven years ago down in North Carolina And it's just not my thing. It's, you know, it's his thing. He loves it. So on this boat, he had the hottest three days of fishing. They go 100 miles offshore. They sleep on the boat at night. Fish, 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 fish. Go to sleep. Wake up. Fish, 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 fish. Three days. He was the only fisherman on the boat. Was there with the boat owner, the boat owner's wife, two mates, and he couldn't have been happier. Caught 18 marlin. Mostly blue Marlin, a couple black Marlin, a striped Marlin as well. When I was at his house picking up the GoPro, I'm watching the video that he had taken of, you know, the the catches. And there were some spectacular catches. Marlin jumping. One Marlin jumped almost across the transom. Uh, Great stuff. And I'm watching the video. I'm watching the video. And all I could think about was, I am so glad. And I like watching the video. I'm curious about all this. I asked him a million questions. But I'm so glad that I did not have to sit on a boat for three fucking days, bobbing up and down, up and down, waiting to get a fish on the on the line. But 18 marlin in three days is pretty bananas, and he caught them all, and he loved it, and he cannot wait to go back for another trip. And I love that about my brother. That is his thing. It would be the equivalent, I think, if I showed him video of me on my trip to Scotland this summer with my golf buddies, I bet he would look at it. I bet he'd be like, okay, that's cool. That's interesting. Where was that? What was that? He asked me some questions. And he would be quietly thinking the same thing, which is, thank fucking God I am not walking my ass all over Scotland looking for a stupid golf ball somewhere in the heather or the gorse. And yet for me, I know as soon as that trip to Scotland is done, I'm going to be thinking, I can't wait to get back everybody's got to have their thing and if you do have your thing whatever it is good on you man keep doing it and love it all up because life is short and i'm sure you work your ass off work hard whether you're a lawyer plumber doctor radio blabber podcaster you name it enjoy life is all he can say Thank you for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Leave a positive review. Go on a hunger strike until the next episode comes out on Monday. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, including iTunes and Google Play. Now go clean the garage this weekend like I will in the rain, in the dead of winter, and we will see you next time.